Hello. Welcome to the Lipstick League, where sports and pop culture come to play. That's I'm Nicole. Right. And I'm Natalie. And we have, so this is part of our series. And the theme this week is Houston. Yeah, and I'm so excited to welcome my friend of 20 years, which is crazy. crazy. 20 what do you years. mean two years? Because we're babies. Two babies. years. Little tiny baby. Wait, that's um, amazing. Yeah. 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 We met when I was an intern at Q102. Anyway, okay. without further ado, Ms. <laughs> Rula Christie, everybody. Hey, hi, hi. What you doing? Oh my gosh, this is so fun because uh, I started my morning radio career in Philly at Q102, WIOQ, uh, with you in the morning. And Nicole, I think my second, you know, my first year, it was the first or second year, Nicole, you were on promotions. It was, well, you started in 2000, 2000 May of 2000, and I and started, started 2001. No, I started June of 2000. Oh, okay. Got it. Got it. Got it. But I don't think we, we really became friends until I was actually like on the promotion crew. Like I interned for three months mm. and then I was on the promotion crew. And then that's when like you and I started to become friends. And I feel like, I feel like promotions is when you like really get to like bond with the like on-air talent. Cause I totally. started promotions too. Yeah, like, really? Yeah, I started in radio promotions too. So I feel like that's when you get to like bond with the talent because you're always sent out with like a crew member. Yeah, for two hours. And y'all yeah. are besties for those two hours because you're the only people that know each other. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. And radio listeners can, you know, you never know what you're going to get. So it's right. like just form this like pack together where you're like, okay, right. we're going to get through, you know, we're at like Duffer's in like Delco and we're just, <laughs> and it smells like marble reds but like we're gonna get through this together oh well God. and it's and crazy because like really you born and raised in houston and then you took this job you are what 25 26 i just turned 20 it was like a month into being 25 right oh you, my god you, mm -hmm. right you moved alone to philly not so a soul did not know a soul on right. the east coast nobody knew nobody in philly pennsylvania new jersey new york i had zero connections anywhere yeah. And I was like, well, I guess I'll take this job. And if I don't like it, I guess I could just come back. Right. But and we were close <laughs> enough in age that like we were, we would go out to, you know, the lagoon for like yeah. because really let's let's talk about how really the bond started. The bond started, Natalie, because when you, as you know, when you're a DJ and you get sent out for a two-hour event somewhere and you have your promotions team. Um, you know, I didn't have any friends in Philly and I say this all the time, no matter what city I live in, yeah. if you are an adult moving to a new city, it's very hard to make friends because yeah. everybody already has their friends. They have their childhood friends, their church friends, their family friends. Right. It's very hard to make solid friends as an adult. And I didn't have any friends in Philly and my friends were the people that I worked with. I mean, I would hang out at the radio station. Right. So when I would get sent out on stuff with the promotion kids that I liked, I mean, cause there's some you kind of bond with and some you don't. Yeah. And there were like three solids, three solids. Yeah. And Nicole was one of them. And when I would get picked to, or they would get picked for me or I get picked for them. However, they did that in promotions and they assigned them to me. Yeah. I would come to the radio station to ride with them to the gig. Uh -huh. Then we would leave the gig together, obviously. And that's say, well, let's go have lunch. And I'd pay for their lunch. And then we right. go back and that was like our day. Yeah. And that's how we became like solid, you know? We well, and it's friends. also really crazy when you think about it, that like this literally was in 2000, 2001, like, we had to print out directions on MapQuest. Like you moved to a brand new city and like you had to figure out how to get from like City Ave to Bucks County. And Dude. like, it wasn't, you just didn't plug it in your phone. Y'all, I left Q102 one time after work and I they had me, they put me up at this place in city center 
I mean, Center City, there's a place here called City Center now, and I always screw that up. In Houston, there's a city center, but you guys have Center City. So I'm in Center City, but I'm lost, and I'm on the Schuylkill, and I was supposed to exit whatever street it was, and I'm calling the, the place. And I'm like, I, I'm on the Schuylkill, and I don't know which exit you are. And I, are you this exit, or is, it, is that one before this one or that one? And the guy's like, what? I don't know. <laughs> and before I knew it, I was on the damn Ben Franklin Bridge going to Jersey. Oh. And I was like, son of a nutcracker and so then i pay the three dollar toll to come back around I was it's five now oh, yeah. is it five yeah. now did you have and, to, uh, to get back because i've done that before i've lived here by the way i've lived in in philly proper my entire life uh-huh. and like i've accidentally gone over the bend like six seven eight times and like what a couple times that i've done it like i didn't have any cash <sighs> on me to like get back so then like then I'd have to like go to like a Wawa in Jersey, get cash out, come back over the bridge. And I'm just, you like, still can't turn left in Jersey, right? Still jug handles. No, yeah. I will never turn left. Right. For that movie, for that reason, for that movie, for that reason. <laughs> okay, um, by the way, my first time ever over the Ben Franklin bridge, I realized I was on it and I'm, I know now there's barricades, but there were not the first time I got on the Ben Franklin. I go, where am I going? I tried to U-turn the Ben Franklin Bridge. No. Yes. My mom was visiting my third week in Philly. I tried to U-turn that bridge. And my no. mom goes, I don't really think that's a good idea. I go, look, mom, I think I can make it. And I started to turn the wheel. She goes, no, 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 don't do that. Just go straight. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, I'd be that crazy person but- on the news. The woman <laughs> tur- U-turned the Ben Franklin right. and she smashed into all these <laughs> local oh radio personality. All right, let's let's regroup for a second. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. first let's me say thank you for doing this because mm-hmm. you have three little kids <laughs> Yes. All under I the age that. of eight. Right? Oh my God. Three kids I just fed them the, dinner and said, don't bother mommy. Yeah. All hail. All Three kids hell. under the age of eight <laughs> hosts your own morning show, yes. so, which means you get up at four o'clock in the morning. So the fact that you're doing this, thank you. All right. So I want to talk about your journey first because you know so much about sports and we've been texting a lot. So I'm like, but what's going, there's so much going on in Houston right now. So yeah, to be able yeah. to have you to talk about you, but I want to yeah. talk about kind of how you got to where you are first, because okay. there's going to be your fans that are listening and they, they, I feel like they know you, but sometimes you need a little refresh and then there's all these big new people. And I, you know, talk about being Christy and how yes, your yes. actual names rule us. So right. start from the beginning that your parents came from Greece. Okay, my parents <laughs> And actually January 26th of my dad's anniversary, my dad's coming to America date. He landed in New York Harbor, January 26th of 1955. So I always do this thing every year for him. He passed away in 2013, but I always talk about how he hadn't done this. I wouldn't be here. So my parents um, born in, and raised in Greece, my dad, 19 years old, comes to the States um, starts to build a life for himself, goes back to Greece to visit his ailing father, meets my mom on the bus and likes her. And we're talking the sixties now in Greece and everything is like pretty much arranged marriages. I mean, you know, girls have dowries. It's almost like Bridgerton, but no parties yeah, and so, yeah, yeah. or horses. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or horses. So, um, he sees her on the bus. He likes her, asks his brother who this girl is, talks to her, his parents, talk to her parents the next day. Her dad says, so-and-so is here from America, probably be a good match for you. You know, you're, we're, you're the youngest of six kids over here. You can get out of this town, la, 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 blah, blah, blah. And she said, okay, I guess so. And my dad said, I don't want you to marry me because they're forcing you. I want you to want to marry me to come here because you know when I take, I'm going to take you away and you're not going to see them for a long time. And she said, that's fine, I understand. So they got married within like three months. And then one week after the wedding, he left for the States and left her alone in Greece. But wait, let me say that like you Mm -hmm. repeated them because you got engaged after nine months only. (laughs) 
So we'll get to that in a second, yeah. but it so obviously runs in the family. <laughs> right. So he, um, he has to come back to work. My family uh, owns a seafood and steak restaurant here in Houston. Called Christie's working. Seafood and Steak on Westheimer. Thank okay. you, Nicole, for remembering. It is the oldest restaurant in Houston's 104 years old. Yeah. What? And it's holding on by the fingernails in COVID. But, you know, let's praise Jesus on that. So right. my the man that my dad worked for, Natalie, was Mr. Theodore Christie. He was a Greek man, but he changed his name from Christophides to Christie because it was easier. Yeah. Yeah. And when he met my father and, you know, he, my father was like a son to him. He was such a good worker. My dad was like a son to him. The man didn't have any kids. And he knew... Okay that at some point in his life, he's going to die. And this restaurant will die with him if he doesn't do something. Yeah. And at the time in the 60s, you have to think of what American culture was. What was American society in every city across America? There's not like a lot of restaurant culture. We don't have going out and partying and let's yeah. meet for dinner. And let's, it was a big deal to go to dinner. You dress right. up. It's after yeah. church Sundays, you know? And so this man had one of the most successful restaurants in the city. He was busting at the seams. He had like two other locations. And so my dad was basically adopted by him legally to change his name so that there wouldn't be any drama when the man passed away. Okay. This restaurant keeps going and James Christie is running it and la, 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 la. And there's some other details there that I'm going to bog it down with, but okay. That's why my, my last name was Christie. My birth okay. last name is Christie. But if I'd gone with my dad's birth Greek name, it's a different name. Okay. So my mom comes here by herself. All she knew how to say on the, uh, at the airport was Houston. That's all she knew for English. Oh my God. And back then guys, we didn't have flights like we have now, honey. Right. It was a four hour ride from the village to Athens. Oh. Then it was a five hour flight to Amsterdam, a 10 hour layover in Amsterdam, and then an 11 hour flight to Houston. And so all she knew to say was Houston. So she shows up to the airport. My dad's there. He gets her. They go to the house where he shares it with a third cousin and his wife, a second cousin and his wife and their mom. It's like eight people. My mom is basically the maid. Yeah. You know, she's like, okay, here's the newest bride. Let's go. My dad worked all day long and that's it. Okay. Eventually five kids. And here we are. So we grow up in a restaurant. This is what I thought my whole future was. I never had any other idea of somebody said, what do you want to be when you grow up? I didn't have any answer because I knew I was going to run a restaurant. So I'm 20 years old and I'm working at the restaurant. And I was hating it, but I didn't know how much I hated it. And we ran out of strawberries for the cheesecake. And my uh -huh. sister says, you need to go to the grocery store and buy some more strawberries. I go, hell yeah, get me out of here. I'll go do whatever. Right. So I go get them. And when I come back on the way there and on the way back, I was listening to the top 40 radio station in Houston was 104.1 KRBE. And okay. I was listening to that. It was just on the, it was just on the radio it was my sister's car. And I yeah. heard the jock say, man, I'm so tired of ordering pizza. The night jock. Uh, if you have a restaurant that can deliver, you know, give us a call. Cause I want to, you know, I'll pay for it and everything, but I just want to get something different. He was still talking about it on the drive back with the strawberries. So I'm in the parking lot with the strawberries. And I'm like, Oh, what's this? What's this guy's name? Okay. Let me, let me call. So I call it when I go inside, I, they answer on the first ring and he goes, what restaurant are you? And I said, you know, this, this, and I, we're not that far from you guys. Actually, we're like three miles away from you guys. So he calls me back and they say, okay, we pick you, you know, what do you, you know, whatever. So me and my two sisters go and deliver this fried shrimp. Now, Natalie in Houston, Texas, if there's a food you have to try it is the Christie seafood and steaks, fried shrimp with remoulade sauce. Okay. Forget the word fried. It's just an adventure. People are fried like, oh, I'm trying to watch my waistline. No, no, no. No, no. no, no. Fried does not scare me. Yeah, yeah. You have to eat this fried shrimp. And so that's what I took him. And when we went up there, he let us sit around for like an hour and a half. Because, you know, think about night jocks, three girls. Let's just 
hang out. Right. And the fire was turned on for radio. And it wasn't to be on the air. It was just to work at KRBE because it looked so fun. Like I already listened to it a little bit. And I now I saw his studio and I was like, oh, this looks like a really fun place to work. But now it's going to be weird if I like this too much. So we became friendly. And over the next like six months, we were friendly. He'd come to the restaurant on his way home and we'd hang out. We'd go to clubs. He'd get us in, all that stuff. And then he called me and he said he's getting, he got a job at Z100 in New York. He's moving. And then I was like, oh my God, I really want to be in radio so bad. I'm such a nerd. I didn't want you to think I'm like stalking you or something, but I didn't want to ask you. He goes, do you have a resume? I go, yeah. He goes, well, bring it up here. So the assistant program director at the time, his in-laws were number one fans of Christie's. They were number one customers. And I didn't know this, but he knew this when he saw my name. So I'm seeing the APD's office. He's looking at it and he's interviewing, but by the way, for a $5 an hour job to answer request lines. Wait, six who was hours the AP? Cubby was the night job. Cubby was, was the, the night guy, Paul Cubby yeah. Bryant, who's on, um, he's on yeah, Light, Light FM. Six now. Yeah, he's on this Light is FM how now. small the world radio is though. So Cubby mm-hmm. was on with, who, who Rule is talking about. He then went to Z100 and then went to KTU in New York. And one of my best friends, Colleen, was his producer in New York like a year ago. And then Cubby just went to Light, who's still all in like the same, but like, it's a small, small world. world. It, it, on yeah. the music side, on the music yeah, yeah, side. Yeah, 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 totally. So, um, you know, he tells me, you know, it's a $5 an hour job. Scott Sparks is interviewing me. I'm thinking it's so tremendous to like, be like, oh God, am I going to get this job? But they're like, we just need phone ops, you know? So I got the job to be a phone op and I would get the, and I would do the six to midnight answering the request yeah. lines. Would radio companies even pay for that now? Of course no. No. So, but they always wanted the phone to be answered. So I took the requests, you know, and yeah. then I taught myself how to run the board. Cause I'd get bored in there. And I'm like, I just want to learn yeah. stuff. And we had other production rooms and KRBE is a lone ranger. It's never had like sister stations before. Like when I wow. came to Philly and Q102 had like Alice and had all these things. I was like, wow, that's so crazy. Yeah. I only know, knew the one thing, you know, right. all the production rooms are KRBE production rooms. Okay. So I taught myself how to run the board and hit the buttons. And then one night when I was waiting tables, uh, the night jock at the time called me and said, what are you doing? I said, oh, do you want me to order some food? Are you going to come eat? He goes, no, I need you to come here because I got to get out of here. The 10 to 2 a.m. jock had not shown up, was not answering his phone. A- the APD, assistant program director, music director, pro- nobody's answering their phones and I got to get out of here. And I said, well, if I'm going to ditch my tables, I'm not just coming there, hit buttons. I'm talking. He goes, I don't care what you do. I just need to get out of here. He's like, I just got to go. <laughs> yeah. So I put myself on the air for two hours on a Friday night in my waitress uniform. And my APD, my assistant program, calls the private line and says, who is this? <laughs> and then I was like, it's Rula. He's like, Rula, what the hell are you doing? And I go, well, I mean, I got called from the restaurant and I'm, we can't have a Friday night without a jock. It's Friday night. Right. Like, you want me just to stop and just hit the buttons? He goes, no, you sound pretty good. <laughs> so then from then I got the overnights. And then from oh. then I got the nights to be like the sidekick nights. And yeah. then from the nights, I got mornings at Q102 Philadelphia. And wow. I did that for three years. And then I came back for the Rule and Ryan show. I've been doing Wait, that 18 years. Hold on a second. Because the, the good part is we got to talk about being a woman and all that stuff. Because mm. when, first of all, when you, they, they were putting together Chio at Q102. So it was Chio and then Diego. And Diego had been on Q on two radio for a long time. He was like right. a Philly staple. And he, yeah. and so did Chio, because like Chio did nights and then he yeah. came back to do afternoons, afternoons and then they yeah. put together this morning show. And you were known on the air in Houston as Rula. Yes. But yes, yes. in 2000, they thought that was too ethnic. Oh, yes. So they, oh, oh, God. I yeah. just said this story the other day on the air, Nicole. When they hired me, they never said, by the way, you're going to change your name. By the way, they never said that. And I was here, I remember I got here Wednesday, May the 8th. It, it was either May the 8th was my first morning show or Wednesday. I know May the 8th is, a, I think Wednesday, May the 8th is when I landed in Philly. Okay. And I had Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, 
Sunday, and then Monday I was live. On Saturday, freaking Bridgman tells me, by the way, um, yeah, you have to change your name. I go, wait, what? Well, <laughs> what, what do you mean I'm changing my name? Uh -huh. He's like, yeah, you know, like Chio's too, you know, we already got Chio, we got Diego. So like Rula is like too ethnic. We need something more vanilla. I was like, dude, I'm not vanilla. I am right, not right. vanilla. Right. And right. I felt so stressed. Like, oh my God, you want me to change my name? Well, and of course he, you have to change your name. Yeah. Right. I mean, at least they let me pick a name. Cause you know, a lot of jocks in the eighties and nineties and early, they were just given names and they didn't get They're a choice. Like, like, you're going to be Mary in the morning. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or like dudes would get changed. Like whatever the hot thing at the time was like, you're gonna be Carson now. Cause Carson yeah. is cool. You know? Yeah. So, um, they said, well, think about it. He goes, cause I remember Bridgman Nichols, like, how about like Tina? You think Tina? I go, oh God. Like, I'd like recoil in like <laughs> so disgust. Who's she talking about is Brian Bridgman, who was like, who hired her at Q2 and then became really, he's responsible for like hiring me too. He kind of yeah. took me under his wing and yeah. we still talk pretty regularly. And I do love him so much. I haven't yeah, talked to him Yeah, but that's like something that he would do where he like, he knew he was going to have her change her name, but yeah. he wanted her to like sign the contract. And that's what like you did, especially to women in 2000. Oh, oh yeah. yes. It, yes, when you were the, the third Mike, you know? Yes. Yeah. So she was Christy. So it was her actual last name. So for the longest time we called her Christy. And then when we finally became close enough, she's like, um, so like you can call me Rula. Yeah. So, because here's the crazy thing, Natalie, Chio was on the air with me. I think it was like week number two. Yeah. And I had a hard time answering to Christy because it's not my name, but I picked Christy because yeah. I was basically my back was against the wall to pick a name and I and I even threw it like my sister's first name my best friend's first name all these things and then I said well, okay look we'll just go by Christy because my entire life having a real name that is Rula Christy in every every classroom that had a sub they would stop at the roster and be like uh Christy right. like, it's Rula <laughs> you know so I said okay fine I'll just go by Christy for now and then we'll figure it out yeah I'd even give myself a last name it was just Christy. And so Chio's talking to me on an open break and I have my head down reading something and he, and I'm not answering him because yeah. he's calling me Christy. Yeah. <laughs> and I didn't know to answer him because that's not my name. It's yeah. so funny because like this, this, like, it's all like kind of like coming back to me now, like tooth, like that was like my prime with, Q, that was my prime with Q102. Like that was like my state. I was, I was like the target. I yeah. was P1. You're the target. Yeah, P1. Yeah, I, wow. I was I was the one calling for those NSYNC tickets. Yes, you know, like in yes, that yeah. was trying to be caller one hundred and two. Yes, remember NSYNC for NSYNC. Remember oh, NSYNC yeah. for NSYNC. People yeah. lived in a, people lived in the garbage can. Um, okay, so really quick, two th one thing which is really crazy too is that like she did mornings with Chio, and then I ended up doing mornings with Chio, which is so kind crazy. Of, yeah, but. So talk really quick just about your decision to go back to Houston, about how you worked at Mix, how you got back to KRBE. Then I have like a two really quick questions and then we'll move into the sports. But okay. I want you to talk about that transition of how you fought to get your name first. Yeah. And then I want to talk about the difference of being a woman in radio in 2000 compared to, to 2021. Now. Right. So Okay, so... When I, um, you know, as Nicole said, radio is a really small pool. And a lot of these radio companies, corporations, they'll move people from one city to the other in all facets of the job, right? Yeah. The business managers, whatever it is. So one of the guys that worked at Q102 Philly, uh, I think he, oh, he got moved to Clear Channel Houston. iHeart used to be called Clear Channel. So they moved him to Clear Channel Houston. Mm -hmm. And when he got to Clear Channel Houston, he wanted to build his team. He poached a couple of people from Philly that he worked with here. And they moved, remember Maggie, she moved yeah. to Houston. And so 
we were number one for like those three years. And Chew in the Morning Show was like killing it. Q102 altogether yeah. was like killing it. They were like number one in every day part. I think it, one book, they had a party, like every single day part was number oh, one. Yeah. That it. station was a monster. 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 So the, the story that I heard was that when he was in a suits meeting in Houston mm -hmm. and they were trying to figure out what to do with one of their properties called Mix 96.5, you know, they were going over like morning shows. They could probably plug in there. And then that guy said, well, I just came from Q102 and Rula like lives and bleeds Houston. I mean, why is there a Houston girl kicking ass in Philly when a Houston girl could be kicking ass in Houston? Yeah. So my contract was up in May. I, this, I was going into my, I finished three whole years there, but I was heading into the fourth and in the fourth year of May was when it was finishing. So that May contract got shortchanged at December because they called me and said, they wanted me offer to offer me a, the morning gig there. Now I was pretty much feeling that my next step from Q and two would be New York because they would send me to do all this stuff in New York. And I had my relationship with Cubby and, you know, Tom Pullman and Cubby. I mean, Tom Pullman makes the world go around in New York. And I just thought maybe the next evolutionary move was going to be, I'd end up in New York somehow. But when the Houston thing came up, I was like, wow. And I had an agent at the time, thank goodness. And I still have him. Uh, shout out Polly. And um, I, I, the guy who called me was the program director for Mix. And his name is Mark Sherman, which I love him to this day. And he said to me, you know, we want to talk to you about doing mornings in Houston, this and this and that. And I was like, well, you know, my contract, well, we can take care of that. You know, it's kind of like a transition thing because it's the same company. I was like, oh, okay. And they go, well, like, who do you want me to work with? And they said, well, that's the thing. We want you to tell us who you want to work with because we want it to be a female-led morning show. And I was so like, it what? was their idea to have it. It was Mark Sherman's idea. Mark and that Sherman was in 2002. Said, That's amazing. Yeah. yeah, going into 2003. Yeah. So um, Mark Sherman said he wanted a female-led morning show. They saw the numbers of what we were doing at Q102 and all this stuff and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, wow, okay, that's cool. And then it was really up to me to figure out what guy I wanted. And I knew guys in radio, but I didn't know if I would work well with them in radio. And there's one guy that for a long time, I regretted not calling him because he even called me out on it years later. Like, how come you never called me for that? Because he was on the beach at the time, meaning he's out of a job. Yeah. But I, th I thought to, I did, I refrained from calling him guys because I liked him so much as a friend. Yeah. I, I was worried as to what kind of radio show we would do. Yeah. If you like, if these two people are so, oh my God, Joe, you're so fun. Let's clink our coffee cups. Right. It's not exciting. I mean, right. it's exciting, but it's annoying as crap. Yeah. And so I was like, well, you know, maybe if I go with somebody I don't know, because they had thrown to me, you know, you can give us anybody you want and we can let you sit and talk with them and we can figure if we like it. But there's this other guy that we were thinking about too, if that's okay, you know, if you're good with that. Um, his name is Ryan and he was on K. I go, yeah, yeah, yeah. He used to be on KRB. I used to listen to him when I was younger. He's like, yeah, he's in LA now. He does X, Y, Z things. And we were thinking maybe we could let you two audition together. I go, that's fine. I mean, I'm pretty much, I'm really malleable. Like, I mean, I didn't know Chio at all. I made that yeah. work. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. I just figured I could probably just work around the personality. Right. Yeah. So um, I'm kind of not good to hit the green light on a couple of the dudes I had in my head. And the, and since they already knew they had an idea with Ryan, I said, okay, I'll try him out first. 
I tried him out first. So I flew to Houston in the dark of night on this yeah, AM this stick. Was, yeah, this is nobody. Very, was, yeah, because I no it was really knew. secret hush hush. I mean, my name in Houston was a known name, so I definitely couldn't say Rula, yeah. and I couldn't tell anybody in Philly. Oh, hey, I'm going to go audition, and they didn't want you know they didn't, we just didn't want to cause a rift. Yeah. So it was ten o'clock until midnight. They put us on this AM station that played like forties World War II music. <laughs> And they had us do like, just talk to each other, just yeah. talk to each other. Yeah. And they liked it. And then they said, you know, are you good with him? Or do you want us to pull other people? And I really thought about it, thought about it, thought about it. And I just was like, it's fine. I can make it work. Yeah. And he he yeah. has a Houston background because he moved to Houston. He was 10. He used to work at KRB because their philosophy guys, business-wise was they're going to shoot the KRBE guns back at KRBE because mm. that was their biggest competitor. So they wanted the mix station to have two KRBE alums and let's see how it works. So we put it together and it did. And we're talking about radio in 2003. Yeah. We, you could do things that today you'd be lit on fire for. You'd be sued to high yes. heaven. Oh, yeah. We did, we did the gallon milk challenge. We just called, we just said, if you're listening to us right now, here's our address. Come up here. And we had five gallons of milk. Can right. you drink this in an hour? You'll win whatever, some tickets. And people are barfing in garbage cans. You everywhere. win a half a container of sunscreen. I'll yeah. do it. I'll do it. Right, right. <laughs> we had like the five saltine challenge. If you can have five saltines in 60 seconds with no liquid you win like a freaking koozie or beer hugger <laughs> you know i mean people are choking to death like ah. i mean that stuff does not fly now you can't do that right but we just did fun stuff and i remember i still was friendly with the krbe people and i moved back home and uh, had lunch with some unknown suits from connection to this company and when i was telling them all the fun things that we do they kind of looked at each other like how come that's not happening on our station yeah, <laughs> yeah. so how we long did mix it. last three years and then three years and we got it was a, the most dramatic the most dramatic it's like bachelor in the most dramatic ending ever right we got replaced natalie because for all politically correct ways i can say it this guy over here was friends with the guy at my company and yeah. this guy was about to jump ship and he's like okay we'll come over here and they just cut us off in one day like yeah. Yeah, we got called in on Wednesday and Thursday we were off the air and yeah. it was so insane because this is before social media. Yeah, yeah. I had built ruleandryan.com as my own. So I controlled it. It wasn't a, oh. a radio property. Right. I, right. And that's really what saved us because my dad called me on Thursday morning at 830. And He's he like, was where like, are you? And what are you doing? <laughs> I need you to come and answer the phones. They won't leave me alone. I'm trying to prep over here. What's going on? Because people so were I, calling the re restaurant. People were calling Christie's. To find out where is Rula? Where is Ryan? What happened to the Rula and Ryan show? There's nothing happening on Mix. And so we got people would come to the restaurant to eat just to hope they saw it to see me to see if they gave an explanation. So, right. you know, I, I, we just went to kick them to the website. I put a banner like our position on Westheimer. How would you describe Westheimer compared to Philly? Like, what can I compare it with? It's, a it's like a, it's, it's a, it's a, it's very, almost very like busy a little street. Yeah. It's like the boulevard, but more high end. Okay. Oh, yeah. Nice. Like, like, you know, King of Prussia mall. Okay. Here yeah. we have the Galleria. The Galleria is like a shopping Mecca. Yeah. A okay. restaurant is a, is a mile and a half West of the Galleria. So you have like a hundred thousand cars passing this restaurant. Right. Yeah. So I bought a vinyl sign, like a vinyl banner and I tied it to the columns of my parents, Christy seafood sign. So at almost like traffic eye level, it said, go to rule And so we got in 2005, we got 24 million hits to our website to find out what happened to you guys. Wait, yeah. this is like, this is yeah. insane. And, and but this is the power of radio, which is yep. people forget.
Yeah, yeah. Exactly. No, but I mean, like the fact that you were just like so, like, and even just being like super innovative like that to just yeah, a to have, have the website, a to have the website, especially back then, mm-hmm. and and then b to just be like, okay, well, I know that you just took us off the air, but like, hi, I'm gonna put a sign outside of the restaurant. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And and that's how people are gonna find us. Like it's right. hard, and it's hard to remember, like. How, how arcane it was been. back then it was yeah. really arcane <laughs> because it yeah. doesn't feel like that long ago yet mm-hmm. right you, you had to just like make your own billboard yes and just yeah. be like okay like i have nowhere to explain where i went nobody's telling anybody where i went so here's the sign and all it's <laughs> gonna say is the name of the website and you're gonna find me like yeah, yeah. Like, that's so true. we were out for nine months and in the nine months i got some job offers to go off and do my own thing in other cities and uh, Ryan got some, you know, I, if you think about it now, now that I'm a mom, I think to myself, like, holy crap, Ryan had a three-year-old kid. No, he had yeah. a five-year-old kid back then. Wow. And his wife was a stay-at-home mom. So think of how hard that must have been, right? Yeah. And, um, you know, I kept, I was talking to my agent, you know, your agent, you have an agent because they help you find gigs and they have their feelers out and all that stuff. And I really believed in our, what we had. I believed in our talent. I believed in our show chemistry. And I just knew that if we broke up and went our separate ways, that's a shame. Like this city wants us so bad. Somebody's got to open up somewhere. Yeah. And it took nine months to figure all that out. And we ended up on KRBE and we started January. No, we started uh, July 26th of 2006 on KRBE. And that's 10 years, Natalie. That's 10 years, almost to the month that I got the job for $5 an hour answering the request lines. Unbelievable. Yeah. Crazy, and you, right? And yeah. you've been there ever since, mm-hmm. which I- is so rare. I feel like and I just signed another five-year deal. So my deal's not up till 2025. Yeah. Oh my God. That's so amazing. And I so know. you've been there ever since. And I, I, you have to just be so happy. Yeah. I mean, it's such a blessing. I mean, you kind of think, you know, it's just, and every, I don't care for anybody listening right now, any job you're doing before, you know, it, you've been at your job for two years. Like I just said to you, Nicole, wow, you've been at, X, at your job mm-hmm. for is it TXU or XTU. X to you. Yeah. X to Yeah. Uh, I think of Texas and country. Um, yeah. You've been there two years and that flew by. You know, so every time like a chunk of time would go by, I'm like, oh, wow, that's so crazy. I just feel like we've been living our life with the privilege of the mic at KRBE. Yeah. You know, we just get to have fun and talk to people yeah. like we're at a party, but the party reaches 6 million plus people. You right. Know? So the wow. one thing and we're going to, people listen that want the sports, we're getting to the sports. But the one thing about Rula that I remember even from early on was that you never had a problem standing up for yourself. You always... Oh you all, and it's weird because I definitely have, um, a big mouth and I have opinions, but I do still struggle in the sense of fighting for what I want sometimes. And that was something that you never struggle with. You're like, this is who I am. This is what I deserve. And you were like that early on, even, but it's ignorance is bliss. Nicole, I didn't know how I was. I didn't know I was doing it when I was doing it. My first year at Q102 when I didn't have an agent, Natalie and I got hired and I didn't know there were, there were unions and all that stuff. I mean, I got hired for like a criminal price because I was green and first morning show. And so then after I learned that in that first year, my second going to my second year, my negotiation, I remember it was three dudes across the table and just me. And I, I mean, y'all, I, I have, I think I bit a hole into my cheek that week because of the stress. And I remember they would, it was like a movie. They had like a file folder with like a paper with a number on it. And they, they slid it across the table to me and I looked at it and I slid it back. And I just said, you're going to do better than that. And then they slid it again. (laughs) And then I go, no. 
and I slid it back. And in the end, I ended up getting like a 30% raise. And when they were trying to give me a 3% raise, right. And, and I got all this other benefit stuff, like you're going to get me this, 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 this. And when I told that union rep, like what I ended up getting, she was, Oh my God, how did you do that? And I go, I don't know. I just know what's right. And they already screwed me the first time. Right. So I, I just feel like it was ignorance, but I just thought it was the right thing. And yes, I have been shut down by a man before where you do feel like, the guy tells you something inappropriate and you shut down. You just want to erase yourself from the scene, get the hell out of there. Like he's harassing you or saying something gross. I've absolutely been there, but in the times when it really mattered, I freaking had the stones to be like, Nope, that's not yeah. it. And like I was telling y'all before we started taping, if it, when a man tells me something inappropriate, I make him repeat it. And I'm yeah. not telling him that I'm making him repeat it. I just say, I'm sorry. What did you say? Mm-hmm. example I was walking down the hall and there was a sales rep with a client a potential client and I came out of the room when they were already walking so now I'm in front of them and he says to me oh my god look at there goes sexy pants and I go I'm sorry what and he goes I was just saying there goes sexy pants and the guy next to me is like mortified yeah. and this is by the way only like a few years ago and he goes I'm sorry what what did you say I can't hear you and he goes you know and then he had to say the third time and realize, hey, you know, yeah, I go, okay, that's right. And I just kept walking. Yeah. And I know that made him think because the yeah. guy next to him was mortified. Like, what are you saying? I, I mean, and that dude probably thought that he was showing off in front of the potential client, you know? Look, look how I can talk to her. Look how I can talk to her. Right, right. Like this, I'm so cool. Like I call her sexy. And, and, and you know, and definitely and, wasn't prepared for you to come back. Right. At and for anybody listening to this, who's a man, it's not about man bashing. It's about every woman that you know, you don't realize that every day at any minute, this happens to a woman you love. And she's not going to tell you about it because it's just, just happens. We just yep. blow it off. And like, I was just saying on the air, on the air the other day, I stopped going to run or well, run. Yeah. Right. Somebody's chasing me. Walk yeah. at the park with a ponytail because a woman was dragged into the woods by her running ponytail and raped years ago in the news. Yeah. And that stuck with me forever. So when I go work out, I make sure I only have one earbud in not two. that never crosses a man's mind that he Ever. can't have two earbuds in. And I always have my hair as tight as possible. I wear a visor and I'm always like looking around me when I'm walking. I'm never like immersed in something because you have to look at your surroundings. And this is not something men think about because they don't have to. So that's where I'm coming from with the whole repeat this guy and we get harassed because it happens all the time. And a woman's not going to tell you because it's exhausting to document it. The thing that really set you apart though, is that I feel like when you started in radio was that like, women were the quote unquote side sidekick. They were yeah. the when slut. I, they were the, right, the slut. You go out and get wasted. It was tell me about your crazy story. I'm coming in drunk. And mm-hmm. you were never like that. You were always like, I'm an equal. I'm a boss. I love my family. Like what, what do you think? Do you think you just always had that strong sense of self to not feel because I did mornings with Chio 12 years after you did and he Mm -hmm. still tried to push that why aren't you going out and dating and getting drunk and hook up with boys narrative i'm like it is 2015 (laughs) like hello like this is and and i we're gonna have our um radio friends on from seattle carla marie Mm -hmm. and she did a morning show for five years in seattle same like she's single she's in her mid-30s 
And she had an executive tell her, well, you're not a drunk slut and you're not married with kids. So who are you then? Like, how, how are you going to run a morning show? What else? <sighs> you the table. Yeah. So like, what do you think made you not care about that at that point? Well, look, remember, I, they plucked me right out of the streets. Basically, if I was a, like, a, like you were saying, Allie, being a P1 of Q102, yeah. I was just a young girl who loved the radio station and loved the music and the artists and all the fun part of it. But I had never had to give personal information about myself. My mom and dad raised me in a way where, you know, we're not crazy strict, but just... I just was always the kid in the class that always knew better. If I went to a sleepover, they wanted to sneak out of the house in the middle of the night. I'd be always saying, are you guys crazy? We're going to get kidnapped. Right. Yeah. And everyone's like, oh my God, let's go sneak out of the house. I go, why? Right, we're going to get kidnapped. Yeah. You know, I just always had that mature kind of level on me. And so when I started doing mornings, what I didn't know is, you know, the more you share, the more people are going to kind of rally around you because somebody's probably been through what you've been. And part of that was, I didn't feel comfortable to share personal things about me because that's not anyone's place to know that about me. Like, why would I want you to know this? If you're, if I wouldn't tell this to my sister, why would I say that to you on a microphone? Right. And, but there's a fine line there because there is some stuff you, it's good to share it because it helps everybody else relate to you. Right. Yeah, but I remember yeah. there's like, there were things they would try and corner me into. And I was like, not, buy, not having it. Cause I'm like, yeah. mm-hmm. you're like, we're, we're just not going to talk about this. Today. I would just roadblock it. I would just roadblock yeah. it. And now looking back, they probably were like, oh my God, probably Chio and those guys were like, oh my God, we can't even freaking get through her. She's a brick wall. But right. you know, yeah. I didn't know that again, ignorant bliss. It was ignorant bliss. The yeah. only thing, the only thing that I um, regretted now looking back that I didn't share is I had gone to an event in New York and I met this guy and he stood me up on a date. He was, this is before we had cell phones that were smartphones with text. Text did not yeah. exist, right? We had cell phones, only calls. So I'd come home from the show and there'd be a little red flashing light on my answering machine. It was him and he'd be sweet talking to me, all this stuff. And he's like, okay, we'll come to New York this weekend. We'll, I'll take you out. And I remember driving to New York that weekend. I just felt it in me. Like he didn't pick up the phone. When I told him, Hey, I'm getting ready to get in the car. And then when I got there, he didn't answer the phone. I got stood up and they knew I was going to New York for a date. Cause I was all like, you know, smiley. And when I came back that Monday, on the air, they wanted to know like, Hey, what happened with your date? And I was just, I just shut it down. I just did not want to talk about it. Cause I was so humiliated that he yeah. stood me up, but had I knew if I had known how that would have played out, like that's what people want. Like that was great to share that yeah. this freaking guy, you know, the whole story, I would have taken the whole story. I, yeah. you know, I knew it. And my, my little inside voice was telling me on the freaking turnpike, this guy's not answering. Why isn't he answering? I'm driving 89 yeah. miles from my but door. See, to- I also think not to, not to cut you off. I'm sorry, but like back then mm-hmm. it was almost embarrassing to be stood up. We're it now, yeah. we're now it's like, you're an asshole. Right? Yeah, like, ghosted me. asshole. <laughs> yeah. Like now it's like, you know, there's all these really funny TikTok videos of like, um, you know, the worst thing about being straight is being attracted to men. Like, has anybody told like the straight guys like that they need to like get with the program because like we don't really like actually like you anymore. Like, you know what I mean? We're like back then it was, it was like, oh my God, what did I do wrong? And now it's like, you need to go to therapy. Clearly you have daddy issues. This guy's a player. This guy's a dirt bag. How many girls have you stood up? It would have been this whole thing. I just felt like it was too close to home because I knew if I told them I got stood up, they were going to try and get it out of me who it was. And I didn't want them to find him. Yeah. and try and call him because I yeah. was already humiliated that he he just that's it I just never heard from him again but I ended up having a great time anyway my 
you know, long story, blah, 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 whatever. But that's one of the things where I w- wish I had shared that story versus then, you know, roadblocking it. But I just roadblocked Nicole because I just didn't, if I didn't feel comfortable, it wasn't your business. It was well, not your business. I'm thinking and thinking about that now, I feel like, because I, I have the same approach when I'm mm. on the air, actually, okay. like, I'm on the fanatic mm-hmm. on the air because it's sports talk radio. There's a lot of things that I keep close to the chest because my whole audience is men. And yeah. the more that I give them about myself, um, I oh, have always felt that it makes me more vulnerable to right. them because they already feel like they know me. You know, I go mm-hmm. to the supermarket and they know that I have a dog named Jim- Ginger. I'm safe talking about Ginger on the air because it doesn't, you know, it's a dog. It's very common. Right, right, right. But I'm at the supermarket and someone's like, oh, Natalie, like how's Ginger doing? And like, do, like that's that level. So I always, like, I always stay away from those topics, especially because it's men, because I'm like, this gives them an in to them. It, it, it makes me more vulnerable than I already am as the only woman on the sports. Well, also you don't want to turn your show in the show that you're on into, oh, let's dive deep into Jen's dating life and why is she undateable? Well, exactly. So from day one, like that was totally a topic that I, if they brought it up, like it's here and there, I now have a boyfriend and he has a nickname. He doesn't even have a real name. He gets brought up every once in a while. It's mm-hmm. just because it's like, that's my personal life. And like, we're not going to go there for that. Like on this podcast, I hope to share more, you know, about my life, but I feel like it also gives you an edge when you're dealing with men by being, you know, kind of having that barrier up because mm-hmm. then they don't feel as comfortable. I'm talking about giving Neil blowjobs on The Biggest Loser. And she's like, well, I mean, I like maybe went to dinner. I'm like, (laughs) but I was like, that was 13 years ago. So time has passed, you know, but we got to get to the sports. But I will say really quick about knowing your situation with Chio and Diego. They weren't kind to you, though. Like their motive was that they were like Natalie's host, Mike. Um, and Tyrone, they actually very, they very much care about her. And I think that they're, they would make sure that like, she's protected. We're like, when you were on the air with, with Chio and Diego, they didn't really care about you. They wanted the best story for the best calls. And like, that's a really big deal. I don't think you felt safe to share. Yeah. Why would, yeah well, that's another, that's a great point, Nicole, because when you feel like the team around you has your back, you yeah. probably would feel safe to share something, but I, everything, it was real aggressive in the beginning, not yeah. with Chio, but I, I definitely felt some aggression with Diego, whether he hears this or not, or he ever knows it. I, I still, you know, you, people teach you how to treat them, right? Yeah. The first impressions are almost unerasable, almost yeah. unerasable. And one of my first uh, memories of being on radio in Philly is, you know, so I was responsible for entertainment news and yeah. I didn't know a lot about Philly and Diego was like a Philly boy. I mean, he's everything he he's lives and breathes Philly, which is great, but he didn't help me share that. Like the difference for me is if you come to Houston, Texas and you are new to this city, I am miss effing Houston. Right. Yes. I wear the sash and yes. I want you to love this city as much as me. Yeah. And I want you to know things about this city. Like, did you know that Williams tower is the only, um, is the tallest built, the, the tallest building outside of a metropolitan area blah, 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 in the whole country. Did you know that the San Jacinto monument is the tallest building in America? That is a monument even taller than Washington monument. Like all these fun things. I want you to know about this city. Cause I want you to love it. Like I do. And there was a story about 
celebrities coming to Philly for something. And there was a restaurant called the Striped Bass. Is it still open? No, but no. yeah, that okay. I remember that. So remember the that, Bass Natalie? It's okay. a good one. <laughs> so the Striped Bass apparently was a very like shishi haha restaurant, I yeah. guess. Mm-hmm. Super famous. Okay. So I'm doing the story entertainment news of these celebrities that had come to town and they were spotted eating at the Striped Bass. And I said on the air as I tell the story, I go, they went to a restaurant called the Striped Bass. I'm not sure what that is. And instead of like, you know, embracing that cuteness of the, the the nativity it was more like real aggressive like straight bass everybody knows that how come you don't know that how do you not know that and i'm just like i don't because i don't know that i mean I, right. I just i just got here i, I barely know what the liberty bell is you know so yeah i mean it's just interesting you know, a lot of radio people i don't know if they still do this now they probably should uh, but you don't want to come across un, not genuine when you move to a city for a radio show or a tv show or te- television uh, anchors they need to get to know the city they're talking to. You've got mm-hmm. to be relatable to the people that live and die here, right? But the, there's also a good thing about being, hey, show me. Yeah. yeah, I'm new here, show me. Like I moved to Philly and didn't say, rah, rah, go Eagles right yeah. away. I did, that right. would be co- completely disingenuous. I mean, I don't know yeah. anything about the Eagles. I don't know who their quarterback is. Right. You know, but a lot of people do their homework. Like they'll come right on the air and be like, whoa, JJ White is my favorite, Deshaun Watson. But is that true because you were born and raised in Chicago and you love the Bears? Right. Right. It's okay if you have a past and it's okay to let people know you want to embrace your current, like your present. Right. So it was just, what do you think the biggest difference is about being in radio from 2000 doing mornings in 2000, being a woman Mm -hmm. to to 2021. I mean, now you're a wife, you're a mom. Um, how long you've been married. I was at her wedding. We had to throw rose petals down from the yes. group. Yeah. It was nice. It was very nice. Um, yes. Look, the difference for her wedding, is- by the way, was one of pro- actually the fanciest wedding that I've ever been to. She brought in pipe and drape, had different shaped tables. She had a Greek band and a regular band. We had sliders to snack on at was night. It, in Houston? Yeah. it was here in Houston. Yeah. 2009. Yeah, 2009. Yeah. And this is right on the cusp of when Facebook and uh, Twitter were happening and right. there was not yeah. really Instagram yet. So I was yeah. able to save myself from 5,000 pictures being on the internet right when I yeah. walked down the aisle versus me being able to put them on, yeah. which is a gift yeah. I think brides don't get these days now. Yeah. Um, and phones in the photographer's way, you know, yeah. their phones over his, you know. Anyway, um, so I think the, the, difference. Difference, the difference for me is not much only because I got to start this show as the lead and as the yeah. lead, I always led and I still lead. And the only difference is how do I handle the rest of the party around me? Right. So different things have happened in our culture, different things have happened in our society, different things have happened about PC and not PC. But as far as like the, the nitty gritty of the science of how I do radio, not much has changed because once you're the lead, you got to lead. And, yeah. you know, if you don't know how to do it, you kind of figure it out. And I'm not saying be a bulldozer, like a bulldog biatch, you know, it wasn't yeah. like a song, right? I mean, Ryan and I, I was very open to anything he was telling me because I knew Ryan, Ryan was older than me and I used to listen to him on KRBE. Right. So even though my name was first, you know, I looked at what, what is his, you know, whatever he wanted to contribute. And then we just kind of made it work together. And I had a little bit of experience of trying to produce a show because there was a time on the Chio show, we didn't have a producer and I was doing yeah. it, but I didn't realize I was doing it until I look back. And go, oh yeah, I was doing that. You're like I was actually producing that show. And I was booking the guests and I was doing, oh yeah, I was doing that. Yeah. yeah. So it just kind of worked. And it's just all about like, you know, you got to be able to manage your players. You got to manage your players and make everybody feel respected and make everybody feel safe and make everybody feel f- happy and fun. And ultimately it falls on me. I'm the captain well, and of the I, ship. And I think too, and why we, I think stayed friends for so long is that rule is intelligent. So like, 
as the times have changed, mm-hmm. as the world has changed, as, as you've become a mom is like, I think you've always had that like badass boss spirit, but you've also like educated yourself as to what's going on. And we've always had great conversations. And, and I think that that's also important too. You never were like the ditzy girl. You always were very like, I'm smart. Like this is a, this is a cerebral show. We're going to have mm-hmm. fun, but we're going to like, they know they, they mourned with you when you lost your dad, they oh celebrated God, yes. with you when you had, you know, the kids, my babies. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so like that, I I think- and by the way, and Natalie, I did also give my husband a nickname. I called him Mr. Determined before he was the husband because oh, he was so determined to date me no matter how many walls I put up. He was like, I'm breaking him down, girl. I'm taking you on this ride. That is so- Still yeah. waiting for mine. In <laughs> fact, her her husband Tassos lived in Dallas and would fly to Houston with an orange carry-on suitcase. He would fly south because Southwest in, in Texas is like Amtrak in the Northeast. Right. Yeah. Texas is so big. You just but he would fly all the time. So at their wedding, their groom's cake, Rula had his orange suitcase replicated <laughs> as, okay. a cake as a cake with the Southwest ticket and everything. And it had a heart where Houston is and it yep. had like Houston and Dallas. But he that pursued is- her and they got engaged after nine months nine. and you've well, been married was- 11, almost 12 years. He knew yeah. that you were the one then. Yeah. Now I yeah. just to, because you know, you're in this such powerful role, you know, you're running your own morning show. When you say that he had to, you know, kind of break down those walls, was it because you were so focused on work? No, because um, my husband at the time was a consultant who would travel around the country to do different things. But on the weekends, he did a radio show in Dallas and he had a real passion for radio. And when I talked to him the first time, I didn't even my sister tried to set me up with him just because she cyber stalked like Greeks in radio and found this Greek guy in Dallas. And she goes, yeah, there's a Greek guy does radio in Dallas. I go, so And she goes, I think you should date him. I go, no, I don't date radio douchebags. And he's probably radio douchebag because he's a dude in radio. Uh-huh. That's what I said. Yeah. So I just knew of him because she mentioned him to me. And then after a series of weird events, um, I instant messaged him on AOL Instant Messenger uh, because <laughs> something had happened to me that was radio connected. And I thought he'd probably relate. And then after that, I was thinking, oh, great. Now I've opened the freaking lines of communication. He thinks I like him. Right. So the next time I was on my computer and he popped up in the box, I just said, what's your phone number? And he was like, right now? I go, yeah, I'm gonna call you right now. And so he gave me the number and he goes, this is Tossos. And I remember looking at the phone, like, oh, he's got a hot voice. Okay. I go, hi, this is Rula. He's like, hi, Rula. I go, let me tell you why I can't stand you. I'm never going to date you. So let's just end this right now. Right. Like, let's just get And he was like, this chick is freaking batshit crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pardon my French. Um, and so that's the whole thing about him breaking down the walls was, okay. I told him, you go with God and your path for radio, whatever you want to do, because it's a tough business. I got, I know what I'm doing. I know where I am and I know where I live. So you're going to go to Chicago, Seattle, wherever you want to go, you go ahead and you live. I'm over here and we're not doing this. Right. And that's why he was like, why do you keep trying to like, he was like, so you're telling me if I drive to Dallas or I mean, drive to Houston or I fly to Houston, you're not going to go have dinner with me. And my response was, well, I mean, if you made the effort, I guess. And then it was always like, oh my God, this girl's crazy. (laughs) So I guess it's it's true what they say about when a man knows what he wants, he will move mountains to get it because I gave him plenty of reasons to just be like, this is too hard. This is too hard. And, you know, something spoke inside of me within three months of dating him, which I wouldn't even call my boyfriend after like the 12th date. I just knew that this is probably, this is it. This, he's the one. And when we talk now about our relationship, he always says that when I walked into the restaurant where I was supposed to meet him for the blind date, and I smiled walking in 
to the server, to the host of the door, he said when he saw that smile, he's like, that's it. I'm going to marry this girl. And I did not feel the fireworks the same when I sat across from him for the first time. And he knows this. <laughs> and he was like, okay, that makes me feel good. I go, but don't you want that? You know, I had like pause because if I yeah. had fallen like all into you, then we kind of would have like done this too fast and then be like, oh no, what have we done? But there really was like, I really thought about it. Like I thought about it, you know, like I, I, I really thought about it. And the fact that I've married a Greek American boy with off the boat parents, as I am a Greek American girl with off the boat parents, almost like, it's like a freaking genie in a bottle. Like how'd that even it happen? Is. Because it's, there's a, it's very rare for like, I mean, you are loud, just like me, loud, outspoken, in your face, you know, on the radio, talk about, like, a lot of men are intimidated by that. Totally. You know, and I had reserved also, the fact I'm never going to get married because men are too scared to date me because are you talking about this on the radio? I can and you've you also struggled with your, days. you've struggled with your weight as yes. I have. Yes. We're going to yes. have Angie Taylor on. She, you and I r- resonate. Angie Taylor's the hot girl like Natalie. So they'll have more in common. <laughs> Angie Taylor. But no, Just to it, give you a, a scoop, Natalie, after I left and Angie yeah. Taylor replaced me, Angie Taylor was like in was it Philly magazine or something her swimsuit and he's like yeah, yeah. hot Angie Taylor Q102 I was oh, like oh God. it's funny it's funny I, I missed that phone call <laughs> yeah. where did that message like, go for my, me <laughs> no but I think yeah. both I think both both are so important and I think that, that another reason why this worked with Natalie and I is that I never realized like because her audience is majority of the audience is men right so the disrespect she gets like what she gets overlooked for because of her looks like I you know I even said when I first saw her I was like oh just a hot girl on the radio it's like no she's actually insanely smart she's super funny and and like I think on my side of being somebody that's always struggled with my weight I've always struggled with boys like it's two separate worlds yeah like Charlize Theron said very famously that nobody's asked her out in like three years because she's freaking Charlize Theron she's smoking hot Right. No guy can handle it. And the guys that do are the bozos that when you walk by them, like, hey, you want, you want my phone number? Can I have your phone number? That, yeah. They're not serious. But if you actually, at this point, yes, I will take your phone number. Please yeah. give me some companionship. Yeah. yeah. So it's, I think it's awesome that there are so many differences of women and their struggles. And that's something mm-hmm. that like is very relatable. But yeah, I'm still waiting for my tassos too. So <laughs> uh, all right. So let's get into sports. So you grew up Houston. No, obviously your parents are from Greece. Greece. Yeah. So when, cause you've always known sports. I mean, and not just like, you know, sports, like we know sports, you know, contracts, Yeah. you know, <laughs> you, you know, you've no money breakdown, you know, the general manager who you saw was at Christie sleeping with this ex secretary's first cousin. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, 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 like, yeah. so you even, you even got the juice on that side too. When I was growing up, since my parents were immigrants, it was all about just, you know, restaurant, make the bread and butter, you know, go home, five kids in the house, seven people in the house. It's crazy chaos all the time. We weren't really like crazy sports people. The first time I ever went to a professional sports game, I went to a Houston Oilers football game simply for the fact that then Oiler owner, Bud Adams was threatening to move them to Tennessee. And if we didn't sell out the Astrodome, Monday night football will not air that game in Houston and the rest of the country gets to see it. So we bought, so we bought, yeah, we were going to be blacked out. So we bought four tickets. It was against the Giants, the New York Giants. And that was my first time ever in the Astrodome, which is iconic and just sitting there now like a rust bucket, unfortunately, to watch a national, like a professional football game. Yeah. And guys, my first ever professional baseball game was the Phillies at Veterans Stadium. It's the first time I ever went to a baseball game. <gasps> 
Oh my god. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. First ever baseball game. I was not until I was in radio in Philadelphia at a Phillies game. When they were so, so terrible, 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 terrible that we'd get like free tickets to sit on the seventh row on the seventh level where you get your butt kicked if you wore the wrong clothes. What year was that? So that was 2000, 2000, 2001. Well, I don't even know, remember who was on the team then, like Bobby, Bobby Abreu. Yeah. That was a dark time. Dark time. Yeah. Or how dark it was. Because when we were there, there was nobody else there. Like nobody there. Yeah. So um, I got into sports when I was in my, uh, like right before I got into radio, the Houston Rockets went back to back in the 90s. It was Bulls and Rockets. That's the only people that won championships was the Bulls and the Rockets. And everyone's joke is, well, that's because Jordan quit for those two years. And that's why Houston had a chance, right? Right. So when the Rockets got into the championship, I mean, of course, the whole city goes nuts, as y'all know, when Philly won the Super Bowl or the World Series. Akeem Elijah one, right? Akeem Elijah, the dream, Elijah one. Yeah. So I got really crazy for that. And I used to bartend at Christie's and I'd wait tables. And when the games were on, I would stand in front of the TV like this close. The TV was elevated in the bar and I would stand on the TV. I'd be pacing, 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 pacing. And my dad was like, Rola, why you care so much? They're going to get paid anyway. Like my mom and dad always said to me, why do you get so caught up in this? These people, if they win or they lose, guess what? They still get their millions. And it's the damn truth because damn, doesn't it hurt when your team freaking loses and the rest of us losers are sitting around moaning about for a week and a half. Meanwhile, these bozos are off on private jets going to islands in Hawaii. (laughs) Whatever suckers on the next season. Yeah, we're, right. we're living we're living through that with Carson Wentz right now. Like oh, that's kind yeah. of that's oh. kind of like the crux of the Philadelphia sports uh, heart right yeah. now is the thirty so, million dollars that the Eagles will be eating next year. So let's go to so when did the Oilers leave and what was the gap between the Oilers and the Texans? Okay, the, I I don't know how many years it was, Nicole, but I remember the Texans were born when I was in Philly. Because okay. I remember we didn't have Google and access to internet like we do now, where yeah. I could watch like live Houston news on my phone or something. I remember having to dig for that story on Internet Explorer yeah. to see what did the what did the Houston team get end up getting named and all this. So okay. it was I think two thousand. Oh, <laughs> I got a topless boy in my room. <laughs> hey, okay, can you wear something else, my sweet boy? Because mommy's talking. Can you ask Daddy to help you, my sweet boy? He wants his brother bear top. I got him Aww. his brother bear pajamas and he wants brother bear. Top. Oh, brother bear. Just, just give me a second. Yeah, yeah go ahead. <laughs> I know. Jen's, Jen's was just like creeping hardcore. I know. I Do you see her? She was like this. She's like, hello. Why are you paying attention to me? And then I literally, she was just barking at me because I haven't even had, I haven't had like a second to pet her. She's like, I miss you, mom. Oh I miss you. I know. I'm like, I miss you, boy. Okay. Sorry. Oh my God. So cute. I'm almost done. Yeah. And then when I'm done, I will find you the shirt. I love you. Look at his little face. His little <laughs> so face. <cute>. And <laughs> he's a cutie pie. So I think it was 99 that the Oilers left us. And then we got the Texans in like 2001. I should probably look that up. I mean, it's so what would you say? Because I, I, every time we had somebody on, I talk about this. Like in Philly, obviously, like the Eagles are the team. Yeah, 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 yeah. Is that like the dawn of the Donovan McNabb era too? Yes, Donovan McNabb. That's how I remember. He did the chunky soup commercials with his mom. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Would you say that it's the the obviously the Astros? The course, the would you say it's it's the Houston? I mean the the Rockets are the team of the city. No, no, it's Astros now because Astros won the World Series, right? And then all that chaos that came after it, right? Right. I mean, I assume we're gonna get there. Should I ask? 
I mean, yeah. I'll answer. No, go ahead. Ask it. Yeah. Yeah. What being so you're an Astros fan, I take it. How do you feel? Insane. Insane. Was like at the World I went to Series every games. single World Series game. I did everything. I, I went to so many games when they were in the hundred plus loser seasons. I went to like 15 games in 22 yeah. days. I mean, I got crazy hardcore because my husband's a sports fan. We did it together. So how did you feel when it came out that they had cheated? God. How, how do you how just do you now when you said that I still got chills like I recoil I and just I can't imagine how that makes I, I can you imagine if you're if you're Eagles yeah. if you're well, Eagles with Nick Foles if that got marred can you imagine how you would feel well, the euphoria of that win what it did for your city what it did for you as a longtime Eagle fan and then to have somebody tell you yeah. that's not how it was supposed to be well and you're like you know no. what's funny when that story broke Mm-hmm. I remember I said that on the air. I said, I, I said, I feel for their fans who have put in their time and effort and all of this energy and yes. just have them see this championship be torn apart. You know, torn I mean, apart. you still had that moment and those moments afterwards where I'm sure it was just, we finally, you know, we did it and yada, yada. But then it's like nationally, it was Ugh. the embarrassment. Y'all, it was so brutal. It was so brutal. So, so of course, and also being on the radio too, you know, you right. have to really like absorb this because it almost feels like we are like the principal for some people. And if the principal said it, then, oh crap, it happened. Right. Yes. So well, I did well, not want to say that they had cheated until we really knew what had happened. Oh, because absolutely. It, because it really hurt my heart anyway, because same with us. I mean, you spend money on this team. Yeah. These people are your heroes. Yeah. You know, whoever lived in Philadelphia the year the Eagles won the Super Bowl, whether they were five or 55, they will always remember how they felt, and they will always remember the roster. They will yeah. always remember Nick Foles and what he did, right? Yeah. So for us, Altuve and Bregman, and Springer, and Correa, and Verlander, and all these people, like these are heroes. You yeah. are gold, you are royalty in this city. Yeah. And you know these guys because they had so much heart and they played so hard for all those seasons together. I mean, Springer started here. Yeah. So when that happened, you're thinking, there's no way. There's no way they cheated. There's no, no way because those trash cans, if, even if that was true, even if that was true, we won the away games in Dodger Stadium and there weren't any trash cans there, honey. So right. there's no way. There's just some crybaby sobber who's trying to mar this for everybody and F that guy. Mm-hmm. And then it goes on and it goes on and it goes on. And you're like, oh my God, what's happening? Oh my God, what's happening? And really the person I put all my, my anger towards, like my anger towards, because I love these players so much and they've done so much just as people in the city. I, and maybe it's just me. I'm not saying it's right. America, so don't hold me to it. I put all my hate on Alex Cora. Oh, I was, Alex Cora. He was the, the pitching manager. That did it. it. Was he was the brainchild to do this? Yeah, and it just kind of all fell in line. And those these ball clubs, guys, they are so tight. We can talk about band of brothers, whether it's World War II or baseball, it's band of brothers. So imagine if you're Jose Altuve, who I have met him many times, and I yeah. know that this guy. Heart of gold. When I tell you heart of gold, this guy learned how to freaking play baseball in freaking um, Venezuela by throwing bottle caps and sticks and hitting them. You can hit a freaking bottle cap, you can hit a damn ball, right? Yeah. I mean, this guy lives and breathes it. He'd gone through so much with the Astros. They got him when he was 16. I mean, Altuve was like the only name that we knew for so many years, and he deserved it so much. And if you have somebody you look up to and you trust, and that whole team chemistry is great, and one of the top bosses tells you why don't we do this 
then maybe you and the other guys are like, wait, are you serious? I mean, it probably like, I'm going to imagine if, if something I really looked up to cracked like that to me, I'd be like, wait, what do you, what do you mean? Like, that's not, you know, and I don't, I almost didn't do the deep dive to see which player exactly has said what, but I have heard that Altuve said, he told them, don't do that when I'm up at bat because yeah. he didn't think it was right. Don't do that when I'm at bat, whether they did it anyway and he heard it, but tried and had to, listen, I've been in Minute Maid Park, many games, hundreds yeah. of games. During that 2017 season World Series, the level of noise in there was out of control. I'm sitting next to my husband and I can't hear him. How the hell is Altuve or Springer or anybody hearing a damn trash can? How is that possible? <laughs> yeah. That's what most Houston fans were saying. I could not hear myself talking in May Park. How the hell are they hearing the trash can? How, how, how? Yeah. Well, whether I want to believe it or not in my heart, they said that's what happened and that's what happened. And when we got murdered by saying, oh, cheaters, 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 you know, I was really worried about the 2020 season thinking, holy shit, this is gonna be terrible. This is gonna be terrible. They are going to need like therapists at every inning yeah. because these other cities are ready to burn them alive. Yeah. And I remember laughing so much when COVID happened. Like, ah, you know what the biggest winners are? The Astros! Right. Yeah. <laughs> ah, there's no baseball! So I, I remember, I remember the story, unless I'm, I'm mixing two stories right now, my, my, my brain could be. Um, so one of the things that they were accused of, wasn't there something with like electrical currents? No, that was one of those, that's one of those stories that people pile on, but actually it wasn't a real story. Okay. So because people were trying to say they had some kind of like buzzer system or something. That's so absolutely not true. Okay. That's what I was going to say, because at the time when we, when, you know, when we touched on that story, um, it had originally, if, if they did do that or allegedly at the time, um, it was a Philadelphia Phillies thing that happened when they were the Philadelphia athletics. Oh, really? Yeah. In like the late 1800s, early 1900s. And they were saying that, and this is so Philly of us to be like, Houston stole their cheating <laughs> no, I kind of feel like it's like the game of telephone, you know, the game of telephone, like what's the scuttlebutt in the village, you know, right. like people pile on like, well, I heard so yeah. that buzzer story. I feel like is so, you okay. know, people but, who are here. No, that's not true. But it, it was about the camera yeah. and the trash cans. They said there was a yeah. camera that would signal what the, what the pitcher signal was. So then, then the batter knew what was happening. Right. But that's, but that's what was funny. I remember the time they were like, well, you know, the Phillies originally had this electrical current technique. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, first of all, it was the athletics and that was like 19, like, oh, six. And I'm like, I'd like to think that if they did do that, the Uh actors are a little bit more technologically advanced that we're not stealing cheating techniques from like 1906. But I mean, the the cheating scandal hurt so bad because, you know, in 2019, we went back to the World Series and we made it within like the, t- the skin of our teeth. I yeah. mean, it was ga- it was seven games. Yeah. If you remember that was the Washington Nationals, they won three games and then yeah. we won three games back. Yeah. And they were like, Hold- I mean, I'm sorry, no, no. That was, um, it, we won all the away games. It was all the away games, World Series. Whoever had the away, you got the win, right? Yeah. That was so crazy because we had a home field advantage. We had, you know, we went, we were the, the number ones. We had the four of the seven games. We were like, we got this, we got this, we got this. When we didn't win game six, God, I could not freaking sleep. I remember going to my bathroom and sitting on the edge of the tub and just like, I felt like I was going to barf. I was like, oh my God, oh my God. Oh my God, oh my God. Then they win game six. Oh God, that was their chance. That was their chance. What's going to happen? Game seven, game seven, game seven. Like, why do we do this to ourselves? Again, mom and dad, really, why you care? They said they get paid. <laughs> they and so when game seven happened, I just, I mean, it was just gut punching because the 2019 World Series would have saved a lot of the 
psyche of Houston fans yeah. and, and cover us for the rest of the world saying, well, 2017 maybe wasn't a fluke because guess what? They just kicked ass in 2019. They did it again. Yeah. Yeah. And then look at 2020 what happened. Like my producer was so pissed off when we lost the World Series because he said, you know what sucks the worst about losing to the damn Nationals? Who the hell are they? They're not yeah. even making the damn playoffs next year. And guess what? We'll be right back here again. And yeah. then what happened in 2020? Oh my God. We go down three games to none against the Tampa Bay freaking Rays, which we smoked in the first round the year before. And then we're like, oh my God, we're going out like this. Springer's last game is like this. We're getting swept. And then boom, boom, boom. We went three in a row. It's like, holy shit, this game seven. Oh my God, I'm gonna put my hair out. And then we lost. And then I actually thank God for that loss. You know why? Because then we had to face the damn Dodgers and I did not want to hear it. I did yeah. not want to hear a Dodgers Astros World Series again and the immense hate we are going to have. So I go, you yeah. know what? It's fine. We made it. We proved that we were good. We'll win next year again. So what's the vibe before we move on to James Harden? And I want to talk about the, obviously Deshaun and JJ, uh -huh. but what's the, what's the vibe in Houston of the Astros? Like are people over it? Are they, there are some people that absolutely are not over it. There were stories where longtime season ticket holders wanted to sue the team for all the money they spent wow. and all the support and all the mental anguish they suffered knowing that they gave thousands upon thousands of dollars in that park for cheaters yeah and then other people just want to quietly just dissolve right like you know you you still love these guys you still love the ride they gave you you still love everything about what happened you just hate that it's not as it as it seemed because i was at game five of that world series where it was like the freaking home run derby. It was insanity, insanity, insanity. And it yeah. kind of hurts me now thinking the exhilaration I had of that game, that was like one of the top moments of my life. And I've done a lot of things. I have done a lot of things. I have flown to Paris to have dinner with Ricky Martin at the height of his fame. I have been <laughs> sung to by Enrique Iglesias on stage. And he sang my baby belly. I have done a lot of things. She has. And this was <laughs> one of the top moments of my life because yeah. that game, I cannot explain to you guys what was happening in the stands of game five. It was like, think of like the most epic New Year's Eve party paired to the most epic fraternity party. Yeah. Paired to the most epic, like, fun friend vacation party you've ever had it's all together with strangers and everyone's losing their shit like yeah. every time a home run would get hit beer would go flying popcorn everywhere it's in your hair you don't care one's hugging they're <laughs> high-fiving oh my god we tied again okay now it's 11 to 8 okay i think we can breathe out oh my god they tied at 11 to 11 yeah. holy crap you know we're in 15 innings or whatever it was the exhilaration of that game being one of the top moments of my life then it kills me now to think well wait a second do we keep tying the home runs because of the trash cans like, did we go on that ride because of the trash cans? You know what? You know right. what I find interesting is, um, and I thought this at the time. It's funny. There was a lot of outrage, rightfully so. They had a competitive advantage, right? Yeah. But um, hello, how long were steroids rampant in baseball for? Uh, so yeah. So I I understand the outrage. However, at the same time, it's teams are always looking for a competitive edge, right? And they got away with it for a minute. So I'm not saying that it's okay, but also like steroids were such a huge problem in major league baseballs for years. And we're never yes. going to know the truth about it. So never, never will. An and, and the other thing too, Natalie, is that people were saying, you know, you can take this two ways. The statement I'm going to make, you're going to yeah. say, well, you're just copping out as a Houston fan or well, it's true, but that hurts. That hurts, but it's true. Houston got busted 
But Boston Red Sox and Yankees also were investigated for cheating, but because Houston already had been hung, right. all the attention was on us and they kind of skated by and said, okay, well, we did it, but nobody has to check. Well, I mean, mm -hmm. I feel like this has happened and people, and like we were saying on the air too, as the Rule and Ryan show, we said, you know, look, it's not right. It's not right if everybody's cheating. It's still not right. They're still cheating, but it hurts when you're the person that's being the scapegoat when you know this stuff you're has been happening. You're being an example of. Yeah, yeah. And, and not just being an example, y'all. We were being murdered. Yeah. I mean, death threats death threats on these people's lives people want to kill them other baseball fans were threatening to come to houston to murder these players murder them because they stole a championship and i'm thinking is this what it's all about this is not what it's all about we need to take a step back this is right. not that important in your life i mean are you healthy do you have cancer i mean you're cancer free right you're cancer free right. you don't go to chemo every morning okay step back and take a breath yeah, yeah it's not that important yeah but i get it i mean i get the the fire that it, I would be pissed off too. If I was a Dodger fan and I lost to the Dodgers as an Astro player and I found out they cheated, oh God, I would want blood. Mm -hmm. But would I want blood to make them pay for it and die? No, of course not. But it just hurts and it just happened and that's what it is. And look at the Dodgers have their World Series now. And I don't know, guys, it was just such a hard time. It's such yeah. a hard time. But the, I mean, George Springer leaving this year because we knew it was his end of his contract. I mean, right. I knew the Astros weren't going to keep him because he got $150 million from the Toronto Blue Jays. That was not going to happen with our ball club because our ball club is almost capped out, right? right? I mean, they didn't throw like nothing at him, but they didn't give him. I mean, I would go too. the yeah. guy's probably going to he got his ring. He almost got the second ring. Damn it. I wish we had that damn second ring. He's got AL, three ALCS rings. He's got a hundred million freaking dollars. How old? Yeah. On the lottery. How old is he now? Uh, 28, I think. Okay. okay. Right. Yeah. And so then so, the whole, so the same week I had Springer on the cusp, we have Deshaun Watson, JJ and Harden all like in six days. Being a Houston sports fan was insane for seven so days straight. Let's talk about Harden. What was the vibe and how did you feel about that situation? And then what was the media in Houston? How were sports talk, how were sports stations talking about it? How, because the whole reason why we got, we want to do this is that I really believe that Philly is so mean to the athletes that the, they ruin athletes, that athletes come to Philly and that they Carson Wentz and Bryce Harper and Ben Simmons and the media and the social media and the fans. It's so much that they can't handle it. Okay, and they, explain, and explain they something crack. Nicole. Here's what I understand is where you're coming from. Cause I haven't been there in a long time. Um, do they, okay. Do Philly sports fans, like, of course, you're, oh, yeah, you're the best, you're the best, you're the best when you're winning. But if you make one wrong move, they murder you and destroy you and they hate you forever. For yes, sure, right? Okay. absolutely. So the difference is, you're right, you have a great point. As an athlete, you have to think twice when you sign a Philly contract because what's happening in Houston right now is people have been asking J.J. Watt to please go win somewhere else. We love you so much. We think you deserve more than this. People right. love George Springer so much that everyone's happy for him. To go, I'm not sitting here saying, what the fuck, George Springer? I can't believe you screwed us. Pardon my French. But can we yeah. guess on this? I hope you Yeah, you can curse. Oh, I've yeah. You know what I mean? Like, we don't sit around doing that because we get it. It's a business. They're a person. They only have so many years of athleticism in them. And they yeah. did their, they served us well. They served us well. But the Harden thing is weird because Harden, for diehard Rocket fans, there are some people like, he didn't give... Me personally, he didn't give me and my impression of what the fans think, didn't give him a reason like J.J. Watt gives you or Springer or Correa or Altuve has given us to want to rally behind him and be like, yes, James Harden, go get your ring. Because yeah. James Harden came to us as not the top-notch guy from the Thunder. It was Kevin right. Durant, right? Yeah. yeah. He became who he was playing for the Rockets, right? MVP, yeah. 
50 point games, 60 yeah. point games, 40 point games, 30 games in a row and all that. And anything that he asked for, they gave it to him. They brought him Dwight Howard. He got Dwight Howard. They couldn't win. Couldn't see it out. They brought him uh, Russell Westbrook, his boy. I mean, like yeah. Shaquille O'Neal said, that was your boy from Little League. Couldn't make yeah. it work. Yeah. <laughs> One of Chris Paul got Chris Paul. I mean, exactly to quote what Shaq was saying after this happened. You think you gave your all to Houston, but you didn't give your all because they gave you a lot and you didn't deliver a championship. So that's a bum deal. And so, look, if James Harden gets a championship, I'll be happy he got it. That's fine. Um, yeah. I just feel like it was really bad mojo. It was really bad mojo, especially yeah. when he wouldn't talk. He wouldn't talk. He wouldn't talk. And then when he did talk, he goes, I just don't think it's fixable. That just sucks. That's like, why do you want to hold on to a boyfriend that's trying to get the hell away from you? That he's cheating blatantly in front of you. And you're saying, please don't leave. You know, you that's ridiculous. Any of his off the court um, behavior or had anything to do with the fans perspective of him or why maybe they didn't exactly feel connected to him. Cause a lot of the banter here that when, you know, that it was coming up that the Sixers were heavily favored was that he wasn't going to take the role seriously because you know, he likes to go to strip clubs and he likes to party and he likes to do whatever he wants to do. And that he wasn't necessarily as dedicated to the team. Well, uh, I don't feel like as a Houston fan, and I said this on, on my regular morning show and one of my co, co colleagues is a super Rockets fan. So he follows all of them, all of their, everything, every game, every win and loss. I said, you know what, for James Harden doesn't hurt me that bad. It doesn't hurt me like a JJ or a Springer because I feel like he didn't know us. I mean, he was here to play the game. And then as okay. soon as it was off season, he was out of here. Like you never right. see him. That's what but I mean. he, he, he did have the James Harden foundation. He did help yeah. out kids and things like that. But it, I don't feel like he was as meshed in the fabric like yeah. these other players are. Like JJ Watt leaves, I even said on the radio, JJ Watt leaves Houston. For every person that's bitching about JJ Watt to leave, even at one point I said, oh God, just go somewhere and win JJ. You don't want that to happen to Houston. You do not want JJ Watt going to the Hall of Fame in somebody else's jersey. This guy has done so much for this city that we are right. recognized around the world for that guy's face. Absolutely. Yeah. So you don't so want him to go. You and I were texting that a little bit today because Jimmy Fallon had JJ Watt on and I said, why do you think that he got as famous as he got? Because he's a, JJ Watt's a superstar. People know he hosts SNL. Yeah. But he's not a quarterback. He you didn't win a Super Bowl in Houston. Is it because of his philanthropy? Is it because what he did for for the hurricane that he is the megastar that he is? Yeah, because he's hot. <laughs> I mean, he's a freaking beast on the field. He's a beast. He's a beast. He was the 11th round draft pick for the Texans in his rookie yeah. season, and people booed him. And he says that he still has audio of the booing to motivate him when the Houston fans booed him. Nice. It was his rookie it, season. I was at the playoff game against the Cincinnati Bengals when he swatted that ball and he picked it off and ran it in for a touchdown. And everyone went nuts. And it was like, oh my God, who's this guy? Who's this guy? Who's this guy? Okay, then you see he's a monster on the field. He's a beast and he's hot. Yeah. He's smoking hot. And that is what is that? That's attractive to movies, TV, magazines, social media, women, 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 women. He's yeah. hot. He's a beast. He's six, six tall. He's like whatever his poundage is. He's just I've seen him in person. Well, and, and you he has cannot a good, hide if you're J.J. Watt. And he has a good personality. He's funny. And he's so he's, sweet. Yeah, he's, he's a so he's. So yeah, you said about package. the booing and Natalie and Natalie was like, Stacey, and that's actually a really good point. Does Houston get pissed at its players? Yes. 
Okay. We get, well, we get pissed at our coaches and our admin more than the players, because in all okay. my years as a Texan fan, when we had like, we had a 12 0 season going into the last four games of the season. I was like, Oh my God, this not 12. Oh, I'm sorry. It was four and zero, and then we lost like a couple in there, but we were like 12 and two going into the playoffs. Like, Oh my God, this is going to be amazing. And then when they dropped the ball, Everyone like murdered Kubiak over that. Like that stupid Kubiak doesn't know how to freaking run the ball. It's always like field goal, field goal, field goal. Make a damn touchdown and win a game, you asshole. You know, like <laughs> everyone wanted to just kill Kubiak. And then Kubiak leaves the Texans, goes to the Broncos, and wins a damn Super Bowl the next year. I mean, God. Right. Right. So we usually go after the coaches, from what I've seen. When it comes to Rockets, it's players. When it comes to Astros, uh, I don't know wh- wh- where the haterade lies on that because it's, it's so much analytics. It's anal- analytics. It's so hard. You have to hit right. the damn ball. The end of the game and the cheating scandal at the end of the game, yeah. you still had to hit the damn ball. Yep. You can bang that trash can all damn day to me and tell me, here's what's coming at you, Rula. I'm like, bing, I didn't get it. <laughs> you know, they yeah. still have to hit the ball. You They're know, amazing athletes. Nicole, that was Mike Missanelli's stance on the entire cheating scandal was that okay fine i get it but they still had to hit the ball like that's a that's exactly what he would say what um what do you think how does the fan base in houston feel about daryl morey what was it like when he left there okay so when daryl morey left i feel like it was kind of in the noise of everything else that's going on because you know we're in a pandemic at one point we were like one of the hottest freaking red centers or epicenters of covid yeah and there was a lot of noise around daryl leaving it wasn't as crazy it was kind of like one of those here's more salt in the wound oh yeah. guess what guys daryl morey's leaving the rockets oh <laughs> crap but yeah. remember daryl morey got in some hot water for speaking out against china yeah yeah and because- that spoke volumes where you're careful of how you're even talking about daryl morey talking about china because everybody around the world will think what they think about who owns whom when it comes to countries and all the things we have. But um, pretty much everything I'm looking at around me, girls, is made <laughs> yeah. in China. Yeah. Everything I'm everything. touching yeah. is made in China. Right here on the bottom of my cup. Yeah. Made in China. Everything. In Cheer. China. <laughs> right. So, you know, when he said what he said, I think if we were in a different world where Peter and Paul aren't in bed together somehow paying somebody out. I think that he could have, that could have stood up and it could have been like something like, yeah. I mean, if I said to you guys something about a country, you don't, you can't even pronounce being like having a genocide from another country that nobody talks about. You'd be like, Oh my God, I didn't know this. That's really good. But because it's that. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, and you know, at one point when we had Yao Ming as a Houston rocket, that was a deal with China. He was a piece of property guys. He was not a human. He was a piece of property that we were basically leasing from China and the China, all of China had Houston Rockets jerseys on. I mean, yeah. the money that came in from China for Yao Ming's trade and, or deal. And then when, when he wasn't playing with the Rockets, he'd go right back to China and play full seasons with them in our off seasons. Yep. And that really wore him down. Yeah. So when people were like, stupid Yao Ming came and play with us. Yao Ming's useless. It's because he's exhausted. Yeah. He's seven, four or whatever he was. He is. A, I'm going to probably say something controversial, but he was like the sweatshops of basketball. <laughs> Poor guy. He was I know. Like burned to the core. He was doing two yeah. seasons in one year and a guy that tall, his bones need rest, man. Yes. Right. Yes. I think about this. I don't know if y'all ever talked this on your show about football. I've, I've been friends with lots of Texan players over the year and Texan players that I've known have said like 29, you're in your prime 30, you're over the hill. And when you think about why football is only one time a week, they need that week to recover yeah. their body and their Absolutely. bones. Yeah. These times where they've had these wonky times where it's like Thursday night football and then Monday night football or something insane where they have like two games in 10 days. Yeah. It, 
brutal on their bodies. And, yeah. and the thing that football has kind of turned me off more in the last couple of years because of the things I know that football does to these guys. So, like one of my really good friends who was a Texan, an original Texan years, you know, when he, for the first rounds of the teams, he said that, look at all these ex-players or current players. They're domestic abusers, AKA yeah. wife beaters, woman beaters. I yeah. say woman beaters. Cause when people say domestic violence, it kind of softens it for you. Like oh, yeah. domestic violence. no, no, this man is beating the crap out of someone he claims to love beating yeah. them to, almost to, an inch of their lives and they're getting away with it and still get to play because yeah. the money, the money, the money dollar, the money has to be made. And he said, all of this comes from football. It's not right to be banged around like that and it just it screws with you i mean now we're seeing it more and more in the last few years yeah. of like these innocent high school kids who like commit suicide and the parents are left asking questions like what happened something isn't right with football in your brain we probably shouldn't be doing this anymore yeah, yeah. i've i felt that way over the last couple of years as well i think we've talked about this nicole where I, you know there's some days where i really struggle be, and which is why i feel like how you're saying, you know, Houston's really hard on the coaches. I hear in Philly, I'm so hard on the organization and the team when it comes to their decision-making, because I'm like, if you're playing better, your players aren't getting hit as much and their brains are safer. So I'm like, it's your job to put the best people in the best position for them to win because yeah. they're the ones who are sacrificing their bodies, you know, and oh, yeah. really sacrifice. I mean, look at all these like legendary players, I can't think of one for a Philly example right now because the only one that comes to my mind is um, Houston Oiler Earl Campbell. Houston Oiler Earl Campbell, have you all heard of him? Earl Campbell? Yeah. yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. Earl Campbell, he shouldn't look the way he looks for the age he is because of football. Mm -hmm. And those guys in the 70s and 80s, guys, they got hit way harder. They were playing on yeah. basically concrete astroturf yeah. underneath. And it was so rough what they, at least now they have some rules, you know, back oh. then it was like brawling on the yeah. field. I mean, when you see some players, like, I mean, I've met some players in real life and they all look 50 and they're like, hey, I'm 34. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yes. Or I'm 32. And I'm like, yeah. It's scary. So let's talk about Deshaun Watson. So you have some people saying he's a baby, shut up, play football. And then you have other people saying, we get it. We understand why you're frustrated. Mm -hmm. What is your take? And then what do you think actual Houston feels about it? Well, Houston as a whole loves him so much and doesn't want him to leave that he had to actually tweet out on Monday. Please, I heard there's some rally or something for me. Y'all going to gather? Please don't gather. It's COVID. Please don't do that. Yeah. You guys do not need me. I'm fine. I'm just fine. You yeah. guys just, I got me and you got you. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of people don't want him to go. I think he is an incredible player, but unfortunately for players like JJ and for Deshaun, as amazing as they are, you know, the death nail for me that really worried me is when former Texan Andre Johnson said in the press that the Texans organization is known for wasting a player's career. Mm -hmm. And that is so bad because yeah. it's scary because it looks true. It's scary because it looks true because the choices they've made on how they have made that operation work, it ha it's not good for them. And we have these, these crown jewels and you're just not doing it right. You're not doing it right. When Bill O'Brien traded away DeAndre Hopkins, oh, I think yeah. if the United States of America could make a noise as a collective whole, the city of Houston, Texas made such a loud noise that people in freaking Seattle could hear us. Like, oh, I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine. Yeah, what was I that like? like people would have been rioting. Yeah. If that was if that was Philadelphia, there would have been riots in the streets. Probably. If we were like Philly fans, we probably somebody would have probably torched his house yeah. because that is the most bone. I barely, that's my third tier sport. And even I know that's the biggest bonehead move. Like, yeah. Why would you do this? 
Why would you do this? So the DeAndre thing was a bad shot. And then when the season starts and we're losing and it's just, oh God, what's happening? And then JJ at the post game, she's like, all bulldog yeah. face, like, yeah, I don't know. We lost. Sucks. And then he didn't want to talk again. Mm-hmm. This last thing that JJ said, I, I think it was it after the last game or it was it was the game that the Texans got eliminated from the playoffs. Okay. So they that got game. or not he, they, not they they were they lost so they weren't going to go to the playoffs. Yes. And yes. So, but they still had to play I think like three or four more games. Right. Right. And that's right. when he had that like super authentic like press conference. Yeah, and, and I don't know if Natalie if you remember that or I'll just reiterate for those listening, you know, he basically he laid it out. He's right. He's absolutely right. He said for people to be bitching and moaning about you know, the people ask you, well, how do you get the stones to, like, how do you get the stuff and the motivation to play again when you're losing? What are you talking about? We get paid millions of dollars to play a, a child sport. Yeah. You, you better, you yeah. better do the work. You better get out of bed. You better come here with a hundred percent brain. Yeah. You better do it. You're getting paid. I mean, y'all, he got to go to Hawaii when the play, when it was out, right? When it was over. Yeah. Guess yeah. what? He get just like my parents said, roll out. I still have millions. He yeah. gets to disengage go with his hot wife to Hawaii, have some Mai Tais by the pool, like I said, I found last night. That's what he says, yeah. His life goes on. His life goes on, on to the next season. The thing that's happening right now that worried me is that the last, I think the last time we texted Nicole about doing the podcast, Texans had said they would, they were, they would consider, quote, accommodating releasing JJ Watt. Now, not to be um, misguided, this is not for the lay person that doesn't pay attention to sports. You think, oh my God, the Texans want to trade him. Are they crazy? He's so good. No, it's not that. It's entertaining the idea to release him because he is so important to us, but he does want to go do something else. And they yeah. know they can't serve him here. You can't get yeah. served here. It's almost like a mercy kill. Yeah. It's like, we got to let you go do what you're going to do because this is uh this isn't right. JJ doesn't want to leave the Texans. I don't believe that JJ wants to leave the city. I think that when you're a rookie, just like in anybody's career, I don't care what you do, the city yeah. you started in has a special place in your heart, especially yeah. for what he's done here. I don't think he wants to leave. I think what he wants for Deshaun, Deshaun to be able to shine yeah. and for him to have the backup that they deserve to make this a go. This team should have gone to a Super Bowl by now. And yeah. there's so many stupid reasons why they did it. Well, it's actually just what Justin Verlander did. Like Justin Verlander started in Detroit and was wanted to finish, but like he was getting old and he was having issues with pitching. They finally figured it out, but like he wanted to win and he had the opportunity to go to Houston. And so he left Detroit and it was one of, it was a lot of, I mean, it's what LeBron did when he left Cleveland the first time to go to Miami. Right. Like when you are that count, when you are JJ Watt, when you are that top team, I mean, mm-hmm. I try to explain to people who like, especially in Philly, cause it's like, you know, these Schmitties from Northeast who like, <laughs> you know, get so mad at these players. And I'm like, do you understand there's only 32 of them in the, like, do you understand how elite of an athlete you have to be right. to do what they do and get there? Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. I mean, do you understand that? Like, you know, they put it a they put in like the third string quarterback, like they're fucking sucks. Get him out of like, do you understand that? Like he broke the Georgia state record in high school. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, like yeah. people are even like the third string people are 
uh, like they hold records in in their state. Yeah, it's so in easy to hate on them when they fail you. Right. But you think they're happy about failing you? Of course not. They want to bring right. it to you. Right. JJ Watt wants to bring this city right. a Super Bowl. He wants to be in a Super Bowl. And we as the fans love him so much and appreciate him that there's a percentage that are like, please go with, just go and win your trophy. Just go, go get your ring. And others are like, oh my God, please don't leave us. Please don't leave us. Please don't leave us. Just, just l- let your career end here. Never get a ring, but you're always going to be like, all hail JJ Watt because for the rest of his life, I don't yeah. care. Akeem Olajuwon actually didn't finish a rocket. They traded him to the Toronto Raptors, but yeah. for the rest of his life, Akeem Olajuwon walks on Houston streets. He is a god. Yeah, is the dream. You uh, he you cannot do wrong. The, the respect level of Akeem Olajuwon. That's what JJ's got. So I don't want to see JJ go, and I hope to God he doesn't. He only lives like three miles from me. I'm so, really sad. When um, he posts on his Instagram and I see his trees, yeah. I go, oh my God, that's my sky too. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm just I'm just curious just because I'm not like into it. So they're saying they're going to accommodate releasing him. What what's his contract situation right now? I'm not, Okay, I'm so not. the contract that he signed, the last big thing was that he got a 100 million dollar contract to stay. I think it was a to, he's a franchise player now. I think it was 5 or 6 years. I got to look it up. Honestly, not I want to do it wrong cuz somebody listening Oh no, no, no. Me. No, that's okay. I just but, didn't know if is he so is he up for free agency? I should know this. Yeah, cuz all of these contracts, you know, they always have like these these little clauses. Like oh, wait, we just have breaking news that the, that the Texans are hiring Ravens assistant David Cully to be your new head coach. Really? David, yeah, David Cully. And James Harden just missed the a potential go-ahead three-pointer and sent the game into overtime. Weird <laughs> that like my I two breaking we- news stories are all Houston. Weird. Thanks. Mm. Thanks, iPhone stalker. I'm I know you are that thing. So how technically how I can't believe we've been talking as long as we got we got we have to run and wrap it up but my kids have to go to bed. <laughs> but the are they at home or are they at school? My kids uh yeah. two are virtual and my kindergartner is uh he's going because there's only eleven kids in his class and I oh, feel good. About okay. That. Yeah. Yeah. Um okay look my I'm mom's been at my mom and brother have been at school since August. Oh really? Wow. In person. Yeah. Not only just to answer your question, his yeah. contract, the fully guaranteed money was only twenty point eight million. Okay. It's a hundred million dollar contract, but 20.8 was guaranteed. The rest of it is contingency of all these things. And the salary cap for 2020 was 15.5. So there's all these like things where you can get released from your contract because yeah. here's the thing. My husband who loves sports said, if our son's going to play a sport ruler, it's going to be baseball because baseball, you sign a hundred million dollar contract. You're getting the hundred million life. Yeah. In, in NFL, once your knees go all tissue, you're out. I don't care yeah. if you had a $200 million contract. If you only made $40 million, that's it. That's and that $40 million after agent fees. And, yeah. and uh, I always call it like, you know, the, the, the parasite fees. Parasite fees are all the douchebags yeah. that like, hey, bro, hey, bro, I'm your policy. Let's pay for this. Let's pay for this. Never pay for themselves. The yeah. douchebag fee. And these guys are left with not a lot of money for the rest of their lives. And they're only 30. Yeah. They're going to live 70 years off that. And right? what it does to their body is insane. Yeah. And the level they were living at, they're not going to know 1,000 square foot apartment, honey. And right. in somewhere like that's a whole other podcast. That's an that's actually a really good idea for a podcast to talk about how crazy it is that each sport is so different in regards to contracts. Oh yeah. That like baseball is the least um violent on your body, but yet you get paid the most and you get the most guaranteed money, and it's the least popular sport. No one freaking cares about baseball really but anymore. I think it's it's because it's it it's so precise and it's so scientific and it's just completely based on repetition and speed and velocity. It's because it's based on science. 
And if you if you can hit that sweet spot and have the ability to identify the pitch that's coming toward you, yeah. It, it's, you, that's gave me, what, you gave me 17 baseballs. I think they all look the same and weigh the same. Lance yeah. McCullers from the Astros will tell you, well, see how this feels on the seam right here? Like the velocity I can throw yep. this thing is just, yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't know. I, I don't I, know. That, that's what makes it, I actually, I had a baseball laying around here. But the, that's, I think, is why you get paid so much when you're so good at it. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. just some of these guys because- that are the outfielders and stuff. I and mean, like Bregman and Springer and all these guys that can, you get that. I mean, if you see some of Correa's moves that he made in just the last it's- series of the ALCS, holy crap. How do you do this? He lunged his body with a tip of his glove mm-hmm. to get that out, got up in a millisecond, threw it to first and got the, the double play. How do you do this? It's just a different level. We yeah, cannot. but then you think of like a running back that is literally a horse <laughs> that uses their skull to push through other 700 pound men. It's so barbaric. It's so it's barbaric. So I and know. They, and, and, and my NFL player friend guys told me that the reason domestic violence is so prevalent among players is because you have to rage yourself into oh. a beast for yep. Sunday football. Yep. And then six hours later, you got to come down to level zero and be like, Oh, hey, honey, what's for dinner tonight? No, that doesn't happen. You yeah. cannot mentally flip it like that. Uh-uh. Do you so know these that- guys have so much rage. Yeah. yeah. Do you know that Rosie O'Donnell said that? And we talked about this on one of the podcasts. It was when she was still on The View and there was a, there was a wife beating situation. And she said, by no means am I defending, sa- con- defending this, but you expect these men to literally their goal that they paid millions of dollars for is to murder these other players. Yeah. And then you expect these young men who have been trained since they were five years old with their hurting their brains and then just switch it off and be like, Mr. Nice guy. Mm -hmm. She was like, it's, I'm obviously not defending it, but like from a science and biology standpoint, it's really crazy. Well, today that story broke about Chad Wheeler from the Seahawks. Oh no, I don't know. Sorry. Oh my God. He, he said he didn't take his bipolar medication, wanted his girlfriend to bow to him. She wouldn't. He beat her to a pulp. She had to hide in the bathroom and call 911. I mean, it was just, it was just horrific. And he's 26, I think. What's the story in Houston, though, where the wife shot the husband, right? Because he was with the mistress. Wasn't that in Houston? Wait, uh, a professional player or just a regular person? No, professional player. No, I don't remember this one. I'm pretty sure, or maybe it was, maybe it was the, maybe it was the Titans player because I said, Steve McNair, remember Steve McNair? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So I think it was like, hold on really quick before we go. Um, NFL's Earl Thomas. So Earl Thomas, Baltimore Ravens player, Nina Thomas. It was in Austin, Texas. I knew it was Texas. Yep. And she came in and she shot him and she, um, just pulled a gun on him and like hit him with the gun That's crazy. because she, she found, this is what it was. She found, um, Earl and Seth. So Earl and the brother naked in bed with other women. And she went cuckoo. <laughs> oh, I remember that. Yeah. I remember that story. Yeah. I we got to do that we, was Houston. We have to do a, we have to do a, um, a walk, right? Is that what, no, not walk. What do they call wag a wag episode wag episode? Yeah. Um, all right. Thank you so much for doing this. You got three kids to put to bed. Give everybody your socials, how to find you. 
at Radio Rula, R-O-U-L-A, on Instagram and Twitter. And, um, you know, I do a syndicated show in 62 cities. I'm trying to get Philly. Yeah. It's called Weekends with Rula, and it runs because across Blair, the Because Blair, Blair, oh. well, I was talking to Blair about you, because she's with Westwood One, who runs you. Oh, really? That's yeah. where she is now? She works, yeah, she lives in LA, and she works for um, Zach, the Zach Sang Show. You're kidding. Yeah. That's and she's so like, funny. We do, that's who, that's who syndicates my show. show. Yeah. Yeah, so I do. Uh, I meant to text you that. And that runs anywhere from 6 a.m. to 2 p.m. And you, depending on what city you're in, but I'm trying to get Philly. I was like, come on, man. What yeah. do you want to do? She said you, they need to put you, she was like, they need to put her on 96.5. Oh, what, my podcast? Am I, uh, I mean, my Weekends with Rula? Weekends with Rula, yeah. But they won't do that because I'm on KRBE. I'm on KRBE in the no, morning. No, 96.5 in Philly. Oh, oh, I was like, wait, what? I yeah, think we can still on KRBE. Yeah. I can't yeah. go across the street. Okay, yeah, no. I got you, I got yeah. you, I got you. I forgot there was a 965 in Philly. All right, get, um, tell Tassos I said hi. Oh, give him the bread man, right? It's the, the bread man on Instagram if you're in Oh, Houston. it's at Breadman Co, actually, at Breadman yeah. Co. And he has a story of doing a career for 22 years, don't have a passion for it, remembered he knew how to make bread, and now we've made... And um, you supported an him too. Like you said, honey. I'm the one that said, I, you know what? I'm really, a, a, I'm a pretty spiritual person, like not crazy on top, but I believe in things. Like I feel it. And I said to him, I think there is a road here and the light is not shining on the consulting part of the road. The yeah. light is on the bread side. So yeah. I really feel like you need to pursue this. And then boom, here he's the bread man of Houston. And now we're in four states, all the Whole Foods and Oklahoma, Arkansas, Louisiana, and because listen to your wife she's always right <laughs> you know all right you know i'm gonna have like remorse after this because i dropped f-bombs and i never do that so no, that's okay that's what's good about it that. I'm, anyway Dang. all right okay sidebar right, whatever happens like down the line with jj just know if it's the terrible result i hope doesn't happen i'll be brokenhearted and sad yeah and i'll have to have some morning time if jj leaves us but we'll see what happens We'll see what happens. All, All right, right love ladies, you. we'll go find my kids some pajamas. And you know, right. he's probably passed out of my bed with no Thank shirt you. on. Thank you, Thank so you for doing this. Okay.